Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hey, Watch This. I'm Paul Goebel. I'm David Bax. Welcome, Bax. Oh, thank you. David, welcome, Bax. Get it? Because that's his last name. Yes. So where were you last week? At Sundance? I was at the Sundance Film Festival. Wow. Um, Pretty fancy. Hence my water bottle. But oh, uh, I yeah. want to talk about how great your beard looks. Oh, please. Because you've all, all, often gone on, usually with not that much uh, basis in reality, about how great your hair is. Hold the fuck on! This show this. is over! I'm I love this because this is the one thing in the world Paul Goble does not have a sense of humor about. dare you, sir! So any I chance, am so close to kicking you out of my house. Any chance I can get to make fun of Paul? Son of a hair, bitch. I take because it's the one thing that you won't like. I off. even have a. You, I'll even you admit. You yelled at Jay Leno, right? Because he made fun of your hair? Uh, well, I didn't yell at him. It was more... You snarked at him? Towards him. And to, it was to everybody around. I mean, I did say, the guy, the, he's the highest paid man on TV, and he's going to make fun of my hair. So I wasn't really yelling at him. I was referring to him, who was okay. right there. But, yeah. Okay. But it was all in fun. Okay. So much so that uh, Jake canceled the bit, and we all got kicked <laughs> off the show. Me and the two other guys who were in the bit. Um... But yeah, I was at the Sundance Film Festival. Okay. Um, I saw a ton of movies, and I'm not going to go into all of them uh, here. But I do want to mention one of them, mm-hmm. because I think it will be of interest to you. Okay. I saw the documentary about, it's called Norman Lear, Just Another Version of You. It's a documentary about Norman Lear. That sounds and it's cool. very, very good. I would definitely recommend checking right. it out whenever it... Uh, I feel like it might be on PBS at some point. Yeah, uh, it doesn't sound like a thing they'd put in theaters. No, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's HBO or Showtime. But for some reason, I feel like... It might, uh, like I read or saw that it might be on PBS. That sounds right. It sounds like an American Masters episode. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's really good and it That's has cool. interviews with, uh, you know, Rob Reiner and John Amos and uh, a bunch of different uh, people who worked did, with him. Did you see that Viggo Mortensen movie? I didn't see about? Captain Fantastic. No, I didn't see oh, that okay. one. I did see the Daniel Radcliffe plays... A farting corpse movie. I don't know if you've heard about that one. <laughs> no. Yes. Sounds, sounds awesome. It actually is really good. Paul Dano. Paul Dano plays a guy who is like shipwrecked uh, on a desert island, and then one, he, just when he's ready to hang himself, another body washes up on shore, and it's Daniel Radcliffe, and his corpse won't stop farting because it's like, expelling gas. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Uh, and then it it go it becomes a little more magical from there. The, you know. Is it, it, does it talk to him? Eventually. Okay. Or, or it's either the corpse comes to life or Paul Dano is just going insane from Wait, uh, starvation. There's, so, a, there's a question about that? Yeah, you, uh, it's not entirely clear whether or not this is all really happening or if Paul Dano could just be going insane. So it's like uh, Castaway meets Lost? I guess. It's like a magic island? I guess, yeah. Good people? It, that's not even the whole story. It, it's, it's very... What's very, it called? It's called Swiss Army Man. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's really good. All right. Uh, yeah, and I saw a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> okay. I didn't talk about it all. You can listen. Well, what to, about the experience? To the pretension. The experience oh, okay, was yeah. uh, mostly just seeing as many movies as I could. It was snowing. In between seeing movies, I would eat uh, shitty food and drink beer and write movie reviews. Now, what was it like to have to smoke outside in the snow? Uh, it's not that bad. Really? Yeah. You didn't get spoiled here in L.A. Every, no, time you, every time you smoke, is, you can go walk like, around. And... On the one hand, I'm super acclimated to Southern California. Like, right now, it's about 55 degrees outside. Yeah, it's and, raining all day. Too. And I feel like it's freezing. Yeah. But I also have found that when I go to a place where it's supposed to be cold, I reacclimate quicker. So, 
I don't know if it's just because I'm expecting. I was expecting it to be 25 degrees. The mm. fact that it was 25 degrees didn't bother me that much. I was prepared for it, you know, in term, you know, sartorially prepared. Yeah, for it. I guess. Uh, yeah, it didn't really bother me. Yeah, when I went to Toronto and London and all those places where it had to be snowy. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's not that big a deal. But I don't know. But I don't smoke. Also, I mean, I, there's I have zero reason to stand outside in the cold for extended <laughs> periods of time. So I don't do well, it. Well, there's also sometimes there's a lot of waiting in lines. I mean, there, a lot of the lines are under heated tents, but not all of them. Uh, so there's, there's oh, and other smoking reasons. areas probably have heated. There's uh, probably some, heated smoking uh, some of them. Areas. But I'm just saying, there's a lot of other reasons besides being a smoker that you spend a lot of time outside at Sundance. Oh, okay. I know you spend a lot of time inside watching movies, and it's actually do. and you're outside in. You know, in the wild, it's it's beautiful out there. So it's it not is, like, yeah. And especially yeah. Uh, one thing I, I don't think I'd ever seen this before because Park City, where all the theaters and screenings are, is right at the foot of like the mountains where people like it's a ski it's a ski right, town, right? And the mountains are right there. It's not like you yeah. have to drive like when you're in Park City, you're right at them. And so certain slopes, uh, not like late into the night, but you can still ski after dark. Huh. And so it gets dark and you can't really see anything, but you can see these paths. Along the mountain that are completely lit up, it's really stunning. Yeah, so that's uh, kind of cool. That's very cool. Uh, I'm trying to see, uh, as far as movies that might be of interest to you, I don't know if you've did you see a movie a couple years ago called Blue Ruin? Nope. Uh, it's a really good movie. Uh, that director's follow up is called Green Room. Apparently, he's sticking to this color theme, but um, it's a really good movie. But what you need to know about it uh, as a TV fan is that Patrick Stewart plays a neo Nazi. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, he's the he's the main villain of the thing. That's cool. Very yeah. cool. All right. Um, so that's that's mostly what I did. Uh, I didn't do much this week. Hmm, what did we do? Saw Brooklyn. You know, Tom Frank was here last week, yeah. and we watched. Uh, I didn't tell people this, but I, I, did I mention it last week that we had to watch Agent Carter together? No, he I, I, don't know if I haven't listened. To oh, okay, but it was funny because he came over. He was able to watch this tomorrow, but he said, yeah, I missed it. Can I come over and watch it over there? So at 3 o'clock, he came over, and we sat and watched Agent Carter. And then we said, which has never happened uh-huh. in the history of this podcast. It used to happen every once in a while on the old show. But that's the first time I have ever well, had that's to... preparing you for your new podcast, Bottle Episode, <laughs> right? Which yes. you're going to do, right? I hope so. That It's in flux. There's uh, there's some legal problems we have to work out. Um, I okay. actually got an idea for three new podcasts, and that's one of them. And uh, I got some feelers out. But okay. in any in any case, uh, it was fun to have Tom here. And, uh, and it's cool that he was here. I want to talk about this show, uh, Horace and Pete, this Louis C.K. thing. Have you heard about it? No, that I haven't heard of. It has blown up. He dropped it on his website. Like okay. Remember like when he charged five bucks yeah. for a special? Yeah. Same thing. He made this pilot for a show... And dropped it Beyonce style. Didn't tell anyone about uh-huh. it. And it's available for five bucks on his website. I haven't watched it yet. And I don't. I wanted to talk about it on the show, but then I thought, well, you have to pay five bucks to see it. So I, I feel dumb telling people to watch it. Not that I wouldn't suggest everybody pay five bucks to see something Louis C.K. does. Right. But I feel that's like a thing you should decide. I feel. I honestly feel dumb saying, <laughs> hey, if you want, I don't know, like a shill. I feel like a shill, and it's okay. stupid. I, if I had to be a shill, I would rather be a shill for Louis C.K. than anyone in the else, <laughs> considering I support him 100%. But still, I feel like a shill saying that. But from what I understand, it's fucking amazing. It's basically Cheers. Someone described it as Cheers if it was written by Eugene O'Neill. 
<laughs> so it's like this bar that's been there for a hundred years. Louis C.K. and his brother Steve Buscemi run it. Uh-huh. It used to be its own and used to be run by their dad, Alan Alda, who's a virulent racist. Uh-huh. It also has uh, their sister Edie Falco comes in to visit. Wow. It's got this fucking amazing cast. It's and it's got guys like you know Kurt Metzger. You know who Kurt Metzger is. I know that name. Yeah, he's he's. If I showed you a picture, he's tall and bald. Okay. He was on Psych. He was on. Uh, he was really funny on Psych. He was on uh, Supernatural for a while. He played Werner Klemperer in the Bob Crane movie. Okay. Autofocus. Okay. Um, but he's like a regular, like the norm of the bar, and so it's got people. It's got tons of uh, recognizable guys, and the Jake man watched it last night and wouldn't <laughs> stop talking to me about it. He said, "I'm getting ready to watch this show," and then an hour later, he texted me again. This show is fucking amazing. You have to watch it. And I Google it, and apparently he's right. Everyone okay. who's watched it said All it's right. an amazing thing. And I just and I was talking to Brooke about it last night, and she said, "Why would he do that?" Why would he pay all this money and then ask people to buy it to watch it? And I actually had to think about it. But I was like, well, first of all, I know exactly why he made the pilot first. Because he doesn't want to go through the same shit he went through with with FX about Louie. Mm -hmm. Where every time he said, I want to do this. And they said, we can't do that. And he said, well, then I'm out. And they went, okay, okay, we'll do it. He wanted to just curtail that whole thing (laughs) and say, here's the show beginning to end. This is what I have for you. Do you want it? So people like ABC and NBC will go, well, obviously we can't. That's not for us. Okay. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, he doesn't want to have meetings where ABC goes, we love the show, but we need to change it. Like, even, like, for them to say we need to change it, that makes perfect sense. Louis C.K. would be the first guy to agree, yeah, I can't put this show on NBC. But he doesn't want to fucking do that. He doesn't want to deal with that. So this way, Showtime and... HBO and FXX and all these other people will go, yeah, we want to buy this show exactly like it is. Uh, It sounds like it would be perfect on Netflix, but Mm -hmm. I think that's why he did it. And because he paid for the whole thing himself, this is a good way to recoup some money if it it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I just think it's a brilliant thing, really. And and it's, it's brilliant because I cannot think of a, a better way you know, aside from crazy shit like Terry Gilliam threatening to burn the only copy of Brazil, uh-huh. <laughs> aside from that, I cannot think of a more efficient way for somebody to keep the creative content and keep the what's the word I'm looking for the uh, integrity okay. of their project intact. You make it first, right, and then say, "This is what I have." Yeah, you, if you don't want to like, buy it, don't. Please don't. Add some. I'm in, the, in this mindset because I just came from Sundance, but it's yeah. like making exactly film and then seeing who wants to buy this. Right, and know? it's more common in movies, obviously, because yeah. you just make the one thing. But in TV, it's completely uncommon because everyone in TV goes, this is my idea and this is my execution of it. Who wants to work with me on it? And every network says, this is great, but cast this guy. Or this uh, is great, but it has to be a sitcom. Or this is great, but put a robot in it. <laughs> And people do that because that's the way TV works, right. and it's perfectly fine. And after you do those shows for a while, and you're J.J. Abrams, then you go, hey, I got this other show that's crazy as fuck, and you're going to buy it from me because I'm J.J. Abrams. Or in the case of Steven Bochco, I have made hit after hit of cop drama, and I got this <laughs> other one that's going to kill it. It's a musical called <laughs> Cop Rock. And, and the network goes, all right, you're Steven Bochco. 
Um, so I just think it's it's fascinating to me, obviously, that he did this. And I haven't watched it yet, but I want to let everybody know that they should watch it. So next week, when I have watched it, everyone will go, what the fuck? I also think it's cool that he didn't tell anybody about it. Yeah. That's fucking amazing yeah. for a comedian not to do that. Yeah. Because, like, when Beyonce dropped her thing and when musicians do that, everyone knows within 24 hours. It's fucking, it's on the news. Beyonce surprised everybody with a new album. Yeah. But no one's going to talk about this except fans of Louis C.K. And the Jape Man. And the Jape Man. <laughs> uh, all right. You want to talk about these shows? Well, real quick, I want to... Uh, non-movie, non-TV-wise. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, there was one movie I want... This is not a Sundance movie, but I did watch... Have you seen Call Me Lucky, the documentary? That no, Bob I hear... I follow, Barry I, I follow Bob on Twitter, so it's, I heard all about it. It's, it's on Netflix. You can watch it. It's yeah, great. It um, really is. Brace yourself. It's not just like a biographical puff piece about, like, I don't know if you know about Barry Crimmins, but, like, it goes to some... And it shouldn't be a surprise for anyone who knows Bob Kid Goldthwait as a film director. Right. It goes to some pretty dark places. Um, it's really good. Uh, and then I want to say, non-movie-wise, I, did, I, I have a new obsession now, as of yesterday. Uh-huh. For the first time, I know I'm way behind the times on this, <laughs> uh, I went to the racetrack. Oh, really? Which to, one? I went to Santa Anita. Okay. Went to watch some horses, to bet on some horses. Sure. To sit in the sun for five hours and drink and eat. And you should take a hat. Uh, yeah, actually, I actually was kind of uh, overcast yesterday, so that, that worked out. All right. Um, I don't know if you're a fan of uh, the ponies, I, I, I take it it's called. I, well, it depends. I'm a, I'm a new convert. You're, you're down with it? That's so much fun. Yeah, that's good. Uh, the problem I have with the track is... Uh, because I, I've worked in casinos and for a while there was one connected to the track in Inglewood. I know the kind of scumbags who hang out there. Uh-huh. Like, it's not just a legend to me. Like, I've dealt with them. So that's, it's not fun. That when I see the scumbags at the track, it reminds me of that they're actual scumbags <laughs> who you shouldn't talk to or look at. Also, I have a problem with the, you know, the reason they closed the Inglewood one is because the animals were treated poorly. Right. Obviously, Santa Anita's been around for a million years. They know what they're doing. So that's a little... But the re, the main reason I don't go gamble on horses is because when I gamble and I lose, I get pissed and I turn into an asshole and I scream and throw things and I don't so want to ruin everybody's day. To me, when I'm gambling, I I know before... Obviously, I know beforehand I'm going to gamble. And so I have a dollar amount that I'm mm. comfortable with losing. Mm-hmm. And I will say, that's how much I'm going to lose today. Hopefully, I'll win some, but I'm sort of considering this whatever be it twenty dollars be it two hundred dollars this right. is my sunk cost for this no that's a good know, idea that, that, that's how i do but you get caught up sometimes i'll say this when i lived in chicago i uh, I, I was doing this comedy contest and it was like it had like five rounds and each round was at a different bar and it was sponsored huh. by budweiser or something right. it was just a way to get people to go in there but it was all aside from the one night they had it at the improv in downtown chicago Every night was at a black club in the suburbs, Homewood, okay. someplace like that in a southern suburb of Chicago. And when and I saw, I remember the first one, I was like, this is in Homewood. And Graham says to me, bro, that's like black suburb. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, you think it's a black club? He's like, probably. And he, we drove out there and it was, aside from one other guy, everybody in the contest was black. It was a black club. And Cedric the Entertainer was the headliner that yeah. night. Yes, I remember vividly how funny he was because I had heard of him as a local dude. Well, he's I had a never St. Louis guy, but he probably worked in Chicago. A lot. Yeah, I'm sure that would be a upward move from St. Louis comedy to Chicago comedy. I'm sure, probably, and it's close by. It's not quite New York, but uh, but then I made it to the next round 
which was fun. But I'm, the best part of that night was a watching Graham try to hit on this chick at the at, at the club, which was fun. But b there was a um, a racetrack near there, but it was the carriage races, whatever the fuck they call them. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? You know, what I'm oh, talking yeah. about harness racing. And we went and we bet on it, and we learned all about it, and it was great because we were both like we had like an hour to kill. And we both won like a $500 box, perfect a box bet. Uh-huh. It was like a $20 bet. We won 500 bucks. It was fucking great. And I've kept that ticket in my wallet since then. Really? And I just lost my wallet two weeks ago. Can oh, you fucking no. believe that? Where would you lose your wallet? I have no idea. My coach wallet that was a gift from Comedy Central uh, that I've used for the past 15 years. Yeah. Luckily, it didn't have my credit cards in it. Well, the few credit cards it had in it wouldn't do anybody any good. That's still a nice wallet. It was a, it was a fucking great wallet. Oh. It was still in almost perfect condition. And it had a bunch of shit in it that I would still like. Especially my fully punched weed card that gets me a free ounce of weed. It had literally... It had every punch on it. I'm you, so pissed. Are there any other... Uh, identifying marks on that card. Could you go to your dispensary <laughs> and say, if someone comes in trying no, to... No, sadly, I should have wrote my name on it, but you're right. But it also had my fucking license, my social security card, yeah. uh, my actual weed prescription card. But, I mean, the thing is, anything that's in there wouldn't do anybody any good. Even stealing my identity would be a complete waste of time. <laughs> you know, because I have no credit to steal. So if somebody found it, which I'm sure by this time somebody did. You see a wallet, you're going to pick it up. They looked in it and went, nope, and threw it in the fucking garbage. Right, or kept the wallet itself. Or, or yeah, it's I nice mean, wallet. obviously, they because they saw my name. They could easily find my name, Google me. Right. I'm the whole fucking first page on Google when you look up Paul Goble. It's me and the big TV guy. So <laughs> you Google my name, I'm easy to fucking get a hold of. I one time lost my birth certificate. Uh-huh. Literally, my birth certificate fell out of my whatever, my hand or whatever. And I got a Facebook message from a complete stranger that said, Hey, did you lose your birth certificate? And I said, Yes, please mail it to me. And she did. So I know whoever found his wallet looked at all my shit and went, I don't want any of this. Threw it all away, kept whatever cash was in there, and is keeping the fucking $200 coach wallet. Cocksuckers. Oh man, that sucks. No, but the main, honestly, the funny part is the thing that was irreplaceable was that weed punch card. And it sounds like this perfected box uh, ticket. Yeah, well, that was that track. was sentimental value. Everything else can well, you be could replaced. Ask Graham if you could borrow his, <laughs> if he still has his, I don't know if Graham carries his wallet. He's kind of a hippie. Right. Uh, briefly, I wanted to say I watched you, me, and the apocalypse. Did you watch this show? No, it's actually quite good. It, it, it's like a hour long sitcom. It's one of those. Oh, I didn't realize it was an hour. Yeah, long. neither did we until we watched it. Uh, and I think it's an English show. Yeah, apparently it's already aired completely in England. But it's got big English stars in it, like the dude from The Wrong Mans. And, uh, and people Gordon. like... No, the other guy. <laughs> and people like that. And of course, Rob Lowe and Megan Mullally and all that. But it takes place in different areas. But it's actually... It's not just about... It's not just like whoops or... You know, the world's ending crazy shit. There's like an actual story behind it and... And how it all happens. I suggest people watch it. I'm sure it's on Hulu by this time or NBC.com. But I thought it was it was much better than I expected it to be. And as a segue, I will say, I wish I had picked that to watch instead of this piece of shit, Lucifer. All right, let's talk about Lucifer. Because, because not even as a bad show was it enjoyable to watch. Here's what I'm... It was so poorly done from beginning to end. I am... 
I, I was watching it, and I was flabbergasted <laughs> that this show has this premise, mm. and I think, I don't know if you'll agree with me, a pretty good turn from the star as Lucifer. He yes. does a fine job, yes. yes. You've got this actor, and this premise, and this character, and you're just doing another castle or the mentalist, right? Like or this, not the, just castle, the mentalist, limitless. Right. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, that's blacklist. like blacklist. Yeah. Uh, the tattoo one. Blind spot. Black, yeah, blind spot. Every fucking show on TV. But blind spot's a bit of a bit different. But all the ones you mentioned are like an oddball dude who has some a, sort of power, right? And a straight laced late minority detective. report. Even okay. takes place in the fucking future. Same exact idea. Yeah, I. Um, they team up with a cop or an FBI I, agent. I, I was watching, and I was for the first act. I was kind of interested in it, like when DB Woodside shows up for the first time, and I was right. like, okay, they're building some mythology. And then over the course of the, at, at every, I was watching it with my wife, and at each commercial break, I would be like, "Are you kidding me? I wanted to this stop is watching. what they're doing." Yeah. Halfway through, I said, "If it was if it was a show we weren't talking about, I would have given up halfway yeah. through." It's you're absolutely right. They do fucking nothing, and the other actors suck. I, I, I hate to yeah. say it. I mean, DB Woodside's great, but uh, he, the wings and whatever, and the lighting does all the acting for him. You <laughs> right. know, when he grabs him with his wing and like uh -huh. tries to choke him, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool," but that's fucking special effects. That has nothing yeah. to do with anything. But the chick cop is horrible. Kevin Alejandro uh, is miscast. He's her husband, who's the other cop. Oh, okay. And he was on... Uh, I liked him on True Blood. I thought he was great on True Blood, okay. where he was the gay witch, Mexican witch guy. I think that was after I stopped watching. Probably. But he's ho he's horribly miscast, and they try to put in all this shit. Uh, she, was, she used to be... An, this cop used to be an actress, right. and she was in a bad 80s... Uh, Skinamax movie, right? But and it so eighties, all right, early nineties. I, well, I guess given late her 90s, age, it would yeah. have been like late nineties. You're right, or... which I didn't even know they made those in the nineties. I thought that was a pure eighties thing. Like when you were a kid, did you go to the theaters and see those shitty movies? No, because those would be made for cable, or they'd go often. They'd go direct to DVD. Oh, okay, okay, you know, that makes sense. That yeah, would be the kind of that, thing that, that makes perfect sense. So. Kids, so is that going to be the running joke every fucking episode? Hey, I recognize you. Nice boobs. Because right. that wasn't funny the first time they did it. No. Nope. And I don't see what else you can do with that information. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that, but apparently that's not the most interesting thing about her. She also is a shitty cop, too. <laughs> she also made a bad decision early in her career, and I think somebody got killed. And, and she's supposed to be the victim? No, you're a shit cop. You made a wrong decision. That can ruin careers. There are cops in real life who have made one wrong decision uh -huh. and no one fucking wants to work with them ever again because it was a bad call. The, honestly, the unless only... They, unless that wrong decision was shooting a black kid in which their entire department and half the country rallies around them. That's true. Uh, I'll say the only character I liked was the kid... Just because she's such a bad actress, she's just a kid. Yeah. She's not even acting. She's <laughs> yeah. just being a kid, and she's perfectly cute. But honestly, every fuck... What... I, I felt very embarrassed for Rachel Harris, who can... Who, yes, good I, I was going to say, who, who was on it, who I actually like, and that was her. And she's... I, I like Rachel Harris. She's a, a fan. A really uh, good actress, in, yes. In this, I felt embarrassed for what she had to, had to do. True. And, and, and I like that mythology. I mean, I get it, like... All right, he's the devil, but he doesn't have, like, all superpowers. But there's a few things he can do that 
that can help him in his whatever daily life as the devil. He can make people tell the truth. He can... Then why uh, didn't... If he can make people tell the truth, then why didn't... He, the first time he went to see the producer during his wedding... Yeah. Why didn't he learn the... the well, the they, they they obviously had a previous relationship. Yeah, but I'm just saying... I, I have a feeling... I don't know if he'll be back, and I don't even know why we're talking about it, because neither of us are ever going to watch the no. show again. But I have a feeling, like, the devil has some deal. If he makes a deal with you, you're no longer a regular person now, because okay. he took your soul... So maybe he can't okay. read your mind because you don't have a soul. I don't know. And, uh, and but speaking of John Pankow, I thought he was good uh, in that oh, tiny right. role. Yeah. And even the girl he was marrying, I thought that scene was kind of funny. And if there was more shit like that and less, I feel again, I feel like an idiot saying this, but less sexist bullshit, uh-huh. like with Rachel Harris and him, and apparently every woman he runs into. Right. And then it's even worse because the one interesting woman on the show, what's her, the most interesting thing about her? She won't have sex with him. <laughs> right. She's not attracted to him, so she must be a superhero. Fuck that. By the way, there's a cat. Look at that cat out there. Oh, there's two of them. I see one. They, they, there's two oh, now. Yeah. They, they, I think they're related. Um, Alley cats. Yeah, this it, it, it is like, fuck this show. And then, at the end, the way they fucking shoved it in, they're walking out of the station, and he goes, so, I'm a consultant now. That's great. See you next week. Wait, that, I might have turned it off before. That. Yeah, probably. That's how, that's that how like, they... It was like the post-credits, like the... Yeah, text. that's how they explained oh, yeah, it. Once everything was settled, they're walking out of the, the fucking station, and she's clearly mad, and he goes... Well, I guess we'll be seeing more of each other now that I'm a consultant. Yeah, I didn't. I definitely turned it off before that. I didn't realize I missed Which, that. And you still turned uh, it off 42 minutes too late. Yeah. Um, I, I did like the one um, stunt. I think I think it was done with some sort of trickery. But when he walks onto the movie set, because he's immortal, he has no fear of anything there. They flip the car. Oh, right. And it skids across the ground and stops right as like at, right in front of him. And if, uh, that was cool. I'm not sure how they did it. And if there was more shit like that in the show, which there could be, there are shows that do that kind of stuff all the time. Yeah. Like uh, uh, Supernatural and Reaper and, you know, shows that it, the show is not necessarily about that crazy shit, but they throw that shit in there. Supernatural does it throughout the whole episode. Uh-huh. Just little neat tricks like that that make you realize, oh, yeah, it's a cool. This was the most boring Supernatural show I have ever seen. You know what I mean? As shows that take that are about the devil or angels or demons or whatever, this was the most boring one ever. Well, uh, that'll give me the trivia question. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Wait, you want to talk about last week first? Yeah, what was the trivia question? Okay, so last week uh, when Tom Frank was here, he asked about uh, there's a writer. Let me see if I can get it. Okay, there's a writer for Seinfeld. Uh-huh. who is very famous in comic book circles because he owns the original artwork for Secret Wars number one, of which I guess there's only four. Oh. And uh, from what Tom said, he said, if you are a comic nerd and you like TV, this is very easy for you. Yeah. I guessed Larry Charles. That was not correct. Do you have any idea? Alec Berg? <laughs> it might as well be. <laughs> but it was Dave Mandel. who, again, apparently is only famous for those two things. (laughs) Because uh, our friend Rotem Barkovka wrote me and said, oh, yes, there's no comic book fan worth his salt who doesn't know that Dave Mandel owns this shit. So, uh, congratulations. Rotem, you are as big a nerd as Tom Frank. 
and uh, you got a prize. And if you want me to send you one, uh, I thought I found some new stuff. Oh yeah, I found some DVDs that I that I packed away that I thought I might want, but like screeners and stuff. But some of them are awesome. Look at this NBC one. Yeah, it's got all this stuff. It's 2012. It's got four year consideration. It's got all now. It's kind of retro. 30 Rock, Parks and Rec, yeah. Up All Night, Night, The Office, Awake. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it comes with hella DVDs of all these shows. Yeah. So that's, that's actually cool. kind of cool that's now fun, that it's yeah. retro, right? It's like a time capsule. And this thing, House of Lies, Touch, that right. Kiefer Sutherland show, the, that screener still in the plastic. Um, I have I forgot to bring it um, from Sundance from that Norman Lear documentary. They gave out tote bags that have. Uh, oh, on one nice. side they say just another version of you which is the name of the movie uh-huh. and on the other side it has a uh, little drawing of the hat that Norman Lear you know he's famous for always wearing the same hat sure it's a little picture of the hat cool uh, I will try to remember to bring that you can get a right. surprise bring those um, I, got, I got more tote bags than I will ever use in my life <laughs> who uses a fucking tote bag except the poor kid in high school who can't afford a backpack <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a tote bag that I keep some like a serious one that I bought that I keep some shit in and then I have my like reusable grocery bags and then I have Three dozen tote bags that have been given because everyone gives. Are they tote too bags. small to use as grocery bags? No. Okay. Yeah. So, so they could be grocery bags. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, okay. I have another. I have a Sundance tote bag too that I got. That's a, it's. It says Luna Bar on one side, and it says Sundance on the other side. <laughs> so brought to you by Luna. Okay. Yeah. So that'll be some prizes uh, for this week's trivia question. Okay. What is it? Uh, so I mentioned Lucifer going to that um, the the set of a action movie mm-hmm. to confront. A movie star, um, right? And that the actor who played the movie star was Bailey Chase, whom I immediately recognized as a recurring character on season four of Buffy. Wait, he's, you say Davy Chase? Bailey Chase. Oh, okay, Bailey Chase. He's okay. he's one of the initiative guys from season four of Buffy. He's okay. Riley's friend, who's white. Remember, Riley has two friends. The one who's not the black guy who looks like Gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I immediately recognized him from that. But he was also a a, a regular on another. Spiritual, supernatural, biblical uh, themed uh, show that lasted, I want to say, two seasons, maybe three. Hmm. Um. I'll give you this hint uh, Basic Cable. Not not a network show, not a paid cable show. It's a basic, basic cable show. Okay. Spiritual themes. Yeah, I don't know. I big, no big movie star in the lead role. Oh, he wasn't the star. No, he was a regular, but he was not the star. Oh, okay. I don't know. So write it down for me. Um. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I didn't like that show, but I should have <laughs> guessed it, especially by the hints you gave me. So if you know what David's talking about, I'm sure somebody does, and they're going to write me right away. Write to me at Paul at thekingoftv.com, and you can get any one of these prizes uh, and and many, many, many more. Um, I thought there was something else I wanted to mention about that. Um, of course, you can also follow me on the Twitter. Oh, that's what I need to mention. On Twitter, I got in a new celebrity beef. New <laughs> oh, celebrity beef. With now, that, now that you've patched things up with Leslie Mann, I you, had a, you had a, ga- a hole, a gap in your life. But I didn't, though, because apparently Leslie Mann went ahead and blocked me, or whoever is doing <laughs> that face. Because the only reason she joined Facebook was to promote that shitty movie uh-huh. she has coming out, because Rebel Wilson also joined Facebook okay. the same, the exact same time. So, uh, I'm sure somebody who's in charge <laughs> saw the other shit I said and blocked me. But, um, I was looking, because Marlon Wayans was on TV a lot this week. 
uh, promoting Shades of Black. his shitty movie. Uh-huh. And like he was on At Midnight with two other people from the movie, one of which was Atheon Crockett, who's hysterical. Okay. And I thought Marlon Wayans made an ass of himself. He was so unfunny. And then I look at fucking... Uh, I look at uh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, and it's 13%. Well, yeah, it's... Who is doing this? Who is responsible for letting this kid constantly make shit and and demand people pay money to see it? And And now... The thing is, these movies make money, and they're probably cheap as shit to produce. Yes, I'm sure. He doesn't raise his price. But here's the worst part. Now he's doing stand-up. For the first time in his life, he's touring clubs and doing stand-up. And for a guy who wasn't funny in the first place <laughs> to do fucking stand-up, my kid asked me, who's Marlon Wayans? And I said, he's Coach's uncle. You know, Coach on New Girl? He's Coach's <laughs> uncle, and he's less funny than his nephew. So I said, um, I tweeted, nobody is surprised that Fifty Shades of Black is 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. But can someone explain who's paying to see Marlon Wayans do stand-up? And Marlon Wayans replied to me. Uh, and he said, uh, let me find it. Uh, he basically said, uh, like, fuck you, I'm funny. Oh, okay, here we go. Um, he says, can't control people's opinions, but fuck you, I'm funny as fuck. <laughs> Ask anybody about my stand-up. Watch your mouth, he says to me. And then what does he say? Right here. Watch your mouth and then what? It's, oh, then he's just quoting He's quoting tweet. my tweet, yeah, yeah. my tweet, yeah. So, A... He says, uh, I don't care about your opinion, you're wrong. Right. And then he says, ask other people their opinion and watch your mouth. Some sort uh-huh. of threat, which I thought was funny. And, I, and then I said, well, you killed it on At Midnight. I haven't seen your Chris Rock impression since every time you were on TV. <laughs> I was very pleased with that. And he bailed at that point, very uh-huh. wisely bailed. But a bunch of his fans came out. Uh-huh. Um, and I'll say, the best part was they didn't come out and attack me, which is a nice change. Uh-huh. They came out to defend him, which, and I don't, you know, it's coming out and going, man, fuck you, he's hilarious. Uh-huh. That's actually quite cool if you're a fan of some guy, whether you're right or wrong. But I've always hated when people try to prove their point by saying, I'm not funny, uh-huh. you know, or fuck you, you were on a game show and you're fat and old. Marlon Wayans is hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. You're actually proving my point by doing that. But no one did that, which was funny. And then this one girl, this was my favorite part, some girl who I felt bad for said, um, I paid to see his stand-up and he kicked ass. My face hurt from laughing so hard. Uh-huh. And I sat and I thought about it and I tweeted back to her, does your face still hurt? <laughs> And I gave her the opportunity. And she said, yes, because I laughed so hard watching Marlon Wayans in Fifty Shades of Black. And I couldn't pull the trigger. No, yeah. Because I don't, she's a, first of all, she's a girl. I wanted to because her Twitter handle is SunDevil12, which means she went to ASU, so uh-huh. fuck her. But uh, she's clearly a good 15, younger, 15 years younger than me. Okay. And she doesn't deserve to be... Put on blast by me, even in my lame way. So I left it alone. But it died very quickly, but it was fun for for the night. And I was actually quite proud of my fucking burn. Yeah. Thank you for everybody who supported me during my feud 
with uh, with Marlon Wayans. Yes. Um, and you can, if not, you can follow me on the Twitter at Paul Goble Show. You can be my friend on the Facebook um, and all that crap, man. I've been doing all kinds of online bullshit. And you too, right? Yeah, I'm at BattleshipRetention.com. That's where you can read all my uh, Sundance movie reviews and all sort of other stuff and uh, listen to the podcast Battleship Retention. You can email me at david at battleshippretension.com and you can and should follow me on Twitter at davypretension. Now, uh, you got to talk about what went on with you on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I want to mention, earlier today, I had a revelation. I learned what I think a lot of people know. I learned today, for the first time in my life, that the Pina Colada song yes. is not by Jimmy Buffett. What? I just always assumed it was a Jimmy Buffett song. And so I tweeted that, and I am not alone. A lot of people were like, yeah, I only recently learned that. Or two or three people were like, wait, what? <laughs> so wow. apparently I am not alone that a lot of people are under the impression, as I was, because it's not... It, basically, I barely know that song, yeah. and I barely know Jimmy Buffett. They right. just kind of seem like they're the same thing. And you're, that, that record came out a good ten years before you were born. I gotta say, I'm impartial, because that's the first record album I ever bought. Rupert Holmes, Holmes Partners in Crime, yes. Okay. Because not only because I used to listen to Casey Kasem's Top Forty every week, and I would judge good music by what was in that list, uh-huh. like because I didn't I didn't buy I didn't have money to buy records. Sure. I just no, was I like, did the same thing. As a what's good? Yeah. So one week this Escape song was in it, and I was like, oh, that's a catchy song, and I heard other people like it, and saw him on TV, and I was like, eh. and then there was another song, uh, him, or uh, and then there was another one called Answering Machine, and there's like. And then Partners in Crime. So, like, all these songs were in the top 40. And then I finally had money to buy my first record. And that was the one I bought. Uh-huh. And it had the lyrics inside. Do you so. still have it or was it in your wallet? <laughs> I actually do still have it. I tried to give it to Zoe and she said, no, thank you. Because I have almost every album I ever owned still. Um, but, so, I mean, I grew up knowing what his deal was. But, you know, the most famous thing about Rupert Holmes, what he is, aside from that, like, what he is most lauded for? No. He wrote the musical The Mystery of Edwin Drood, which is famous because it had the audience picks the ending. It's, oh, okay. it's one of those musicals where the audience picks who they think the murderer is. Interesting. And they have to learn six different endings. It was very popular in the 80s. Okay. Um, so, uh, anyway. So now we've all learned a little something. I'll say this about social media. If you are already my friend on Facebook and Twitter, you've seen my awesome beard. Uh-huh. And you've seen how great it looks. And that's... Now, are you posting pictures the way you did during Movember, where they're like no, 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 comfortably no, 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 no. close up? No, I did that on purpose to be terrible. <laughs> but these ones, let me see like the photos and videos if I can find one. Because I did one the other day. I was honestly just in the bathroom, uh-huh. and I, I was going to get a haircut. So I hadn't done anything with my hair. And I looked in the mirror and went, OMG, I am the shit. Look at that. I literally woke up like that. That's a very handsome picture. Look at that hair. You sleep in your glasses? Huh? You said you woke up like this. Well, I had to put my glasses or, on. Sorry, hashtag I woke like this is what you said. Yep. And then uh, here's one with me and my cat. Uh-huh. So you can see all my awesome beardness. There's me and Leslie Mann. But you get it. Uh, and also, when Jim was over here and we had Jim's birthday party, his wife takes pictures all the time. So if you go to like. I missed, my invitation must have got lost. Yep, sorry. It was Jim's party, <laughs> not mine. I just hosted it. But uh, uh, she took a hell of pictures, and you can see. That's when everybody said I looked like Teen Wolf. Remember uh-huh. who did that? They said I looked like Teen Wolf's dad. So, okay. Uh, but you can see my beard. All right, let's talk about Children's Hospital. 
Yeah. And then and then get out of here. Yeah, it's a good show. It is not good, but here's the thing. <laughs> I was bummed when I had to watch it, but then I saw that it had John Hamm in it, and I knew, okay, this will be pretty funny. Because and it's also 11 minutes long. Yeah, and it's super <laughs> short. And, uh, and I, I actually like this episode. I'm not saying it was good or it was hilarious or whatever, but this is probably my favorite episode of Children's Hospital, and I'll huh. tell you why. It's called One Million Saved. One Million Saved. I liked it because the running joke with Lola, no, not with Lola, but with uh, Rob Corddry and those guys saving the woman over and over again and her dying. Right. I thought that was actually funny. And isn't it, uh, now you're more of a TV historian than I am, but how often is an episode's title based on the runner, (laughs) right? As opposed to the main plot. You're right. You're right. It's like, yeah, there's not an episode of Friends called The One Where They Get a Duck. Right, because there was something more important happening. Exactly. Although there is the one with the cheesecakes. You remember that? And the the cheesecake story was just uh, someone keeps getting cheesecakes delivered to their door in their Uh their building. And they keep stealing them and eating them because they're so fucking good. And then towards the end of the episode, they drop it in the hallway. And it's like, I think it's Joey and Rachel grab forks and just start eating it off the floor. Because A, it's good. And B, they don't want to get busted. Okay. And then Chandler sees them. But it, I think it's called... Well, maybe it's not called the one with the cheesecakes. Maybe I'm making that up. But anyways, but I, I also... I love The Runner because it was funny every time and, and at least interesting. And I thought, even as dumb as the joke was, no you know, no ball playing, no dogs. <laughs> right. Adding the sign because that's the problem. You didn't put the sign up. That was really funny. But the best part was John Hamm playing it straight and being funny the way he does so brilliantly. Because... You know, Aaron uh, Hayes is funny, but she's not a, the master of deadpan, dry humor. Right. And John Hamm really is. I mean, when you think about it, that's how he played Don Draper as this, you know, hilarious, you know, dude that was ridiculous. But he played it. <laughs> he never once went, huh? You know what I mean? Never okay. once did he yeah. even acknowledge to anyone else in the world what a ridiculous person he was. And I think it served him well here. I will say this. I was really high when I watched it. Uh-huh. Uh, on purpose. Because I wanted to enjoy it. But there was one part that I could not stop laughing at. And you could probably figure out what it was. Uh, I, You know, I, because I think you and I have different senses of humor. To me, the funniest thing was... Uh, Arthur children or the the older children's having the speech impediment where he pronounces V's as V's. Yeah, and the vowels. <laughs> in the vowels. Look through, I, look through the archives. The archives. And he went, oh, wait. <laughs> I also like that bit where he goes, where he says, it's in the bowels of the of children's hospital. But wait, make sure you watch this next part. <laughs> right. Click. Let's go. That made me laugh. But the funniest part was when they're looking for it in the bowels of Arthur children, <laughs> look up his butt, and... Lola's like, you know, you could help me. And John Hamm goes, I'm not going to stick my hand up my dad's anus. <laughs> I could not stop laughing. And it caught me so off guard that I laughed for 10 minutes. It you know was what I, so great. Uh, what I liked, I don't know if you caught it. Like, after Aaron Hayes fishes the, um, the envelope out of the uh, corpse's anus. Yes, right. And John Hamm is... Uh, Reading it like uh, Aaron Hayes in the background is still kind of holding her hand like <laughs> away from her, like 
clearly has gross stuff on it. Yeah, yeah. It was there was a lot more jokes in this episode. I guess that's why it was so much better because it really was structured like a jokey sitcom. Right when they they did the joke of one story, they went back to the the other one, uh-huh. and and in the case of the operation, they did the same joke, just a little <laughs> a little different, and yeah. that's what you expected. Then it ran back to a different type of joke, and it was and it was kind of fun and interesting to see them. Oh, the vowels of Children's Hospital, and they uh-huh. grab the I and the E off the fucking wall and look in it. That was fun and funny to me. Yeah. And, usually, uh, usually the episode's just too much meandering bullshit. Uh, Nurse Dory, who is the one who's into jigsaw puzzles, right. or jiggies, as she calls them, <laughs> has been for the past few seasons, because she was not a regular early on, right. but has become a regular, and she's been one of the secret weapons of the show, I think. She's hilarious. Yeah, and Ner- and Beth, uh, what's Beth Dover is funny, too, mm-hmm. as Nurse Beth. They, yeah. I, think, I think they fired Nurse Kulap. Um, or, well, she's she's doing okay. Yeah, well, she's got her own show on CISO on now. CISO, yeah. Have you watched any of those shows? Uh, no. I hear that I some... tweeted though that oh, we're talking about our, t- our Twitter. I'm very excited about the idea of all of SNL being on CISO. That's pretty great because specifically because it means because there's a lot of old SNL that was on Hulu, but there's one sketch that I love from the '90s, maybe late '90s. Goat Boy. Uh, no, that was not on Hulu, <laughs> and it's the one where Vince Vaughn hosted, and Vince Vaughn, Will Ferrell, Tim Meadows, and Chris Parnell play cat toy salesmen. Have you seen that? Oh, I saw you tweet about it. It's because they're like, uh, like uh, young hotshot, like testosterone fueled, like busting each other's balls type of salesmen. Like they're used car salesmen, right? They're like or rather total, new car salesmen. Yeah, total hotshots, like total like they're in. It's a pissy shiny contest. suits yeah. and stuff. But then every time they have a new cat toy to try out, they get on the table and pretend to be cats <laughs> and like bat at the cat toys. Nice. It's uh, it's a great sketch. Right. Anyway, um, what were we saying about uh, CISO? Yeah. So this was the um, second episode actually of this new season. Mm-hmm. Did you watch the first one? Nope. Um, uh, it's it had a couple it had a couple of jokes, including one that I know you you would have liked. A couple of like meta jokes about uh-huh. how the fact basically like over the course of the show there was the one season they were in Japan, but other than that, it's ostensibly taking place at the same hospital but they keep having to move what hospital like in yeah. real life they've shot at three different hospitals right so like they make a joke uh, like a couple of jokes and Paul, Paul Shearer is like I feel like every time I come here it's a different hospital and Blake's like nope same place he's like are you sure the break room was like three times as big yeah. but then uh, someone else says um, isn't this the hospital where they used to shoot scrubs and Rob Cordry is like no that was a different hospital because right. one of the previous hospitals yeah. they shot Children's Hospital at was the Scrubs Hospital. The one that I would used to talk about all the <laughs> yes, time yes. on my old show and joke about telling Brooke, hey, that's where they used to yeah. shoot Scrubs. So you would have liked that joke. But it's not there anymore. And in fact, right. it's Which replaced... Right. not shooting there anymore. Right. It's replaced with uh, townhouses or apartments, condos, what fanciers, condos, and... Our friend Asian Kyle now lives in that apartment building. Who's our friend Asian Kyle? Oh, he used to be a listener of the old show, and he listens oh, okay. to this one too. But All right. uh, he's Asian, and his name is Kyle. He's All a nice right. guy. Easy to remember. <laughs> <laughs> he did uh, the show with Jim and I in in Culver City. Oh, and uh, <laughs> but he—it's funny intro? because, huh? <laughs> I was late. I was late on the draw. I was what, slow on the draw. What were you gonna say? You said 
he did the show with Gemini. Oh, yeah, Nitro and Nitro. Zap. Yes, hilarious. <laughs> but it was too slow because I couldn't. Th- I, could, I forgot the name of Nitro. Tom um, Gr- Tom Griffin would be very very disappointed in you. Uh, now uh, back to Children's Hospital, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, I like this episode too, not nearly as much as you do, because anyone who I know you have listeners from your old show who listen to this. If there's anyone who listened to previously on, uh-huh. they know that Sean and I had a bit of a pet peeve about. John Hamm showing up a little too often in comedies. I agree. I I feel that same way. And so I was, when I saw this was going to be a John Hamm episode at the beginning, I was skeptical. But I do think it paid off. Yes. Well, also because, I don't know if you noticed, but in the clip they showed from the previous episode, which I guess was the finale of last season, where he shows up. No, that's actually... Years ago. Oh, okay. That, that when they showed the previous one, when when the when it turns out the Melon Ackerman is actually John Hammond in disguise, yeah. that's years and years. Ago, okay. Actually. Well, I remember that, but and you can tell by the clip, the joke was that he was like retarded or something. Right. He was his simpleton son, and he even talks that way in the clip. But you notice they didn't do that. Right. Yeah. They completely threw that out the window for this episode, yeah. and I think that's part of the reason why because they said. Well, I don't want to hear him talk like an idiot for the, this whole 11 minutes. Yeah. Can yeah. we just not do that? And uh, that shows a maturity in making good comedy. So uh, maybe this show's good now. Do you just remind me of another uh, great joke from this? When he when they uh, go into his father's old office and it's all like cobwebbed and he's like, yeah. my father's old office. For years it's just been a storage room for dusty old props. <laughs> yes, that's <was> hilarious. <laughs> and what about, and usually I don't like this, but what about what's under it? Under the tarp? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares what's under the tarp? Yeah. Concentrate on this tarp. That made me laugh too. So yeah, usually I guess just because it had a you know, it had a bunch of those jokes, but they weren't all the same one. And it wasn't like the sushi fucking joke in that one episode where they keep making the exact same joke verbatim over and over again. <laughs> Turns out sushi is raw fish. What? <laughs> yes, I get it. You guys are all dumb. But at least be dumb in a funnier way. Be dumb by saying something different. Because that's the only joke. Uh, so, And it didn't have any of that bullshit that I hate. But it also didn't... Uh, if I, I watched both of those back to back, so I can't remember. I, feel like, I don't think there was any Henry Winkler in this. No. and But... He was in the first one. But no Megan Mullally also. So it's kind yeah, of a right. trade-off. I'm okay with that. And she's on you. <laughs> she's on You, Me, and the Apocalypse, and she's actually pretty good. Uh you don't have to convince me. I'm a huge Megan Mullally fan. <laughs> and apparently Nick Offerman is in future episodes, according to the commercial at the end. So okay. there's going to be more good people on it. Um, all right. So go watch You, Me, and the Apocalypse. And go watch Norman Lear and Call Me Lucky. Yeah. And Children's Hospital. And Children. No. Don't uh, watch that. Don't oh, watch Lucifer. And also watch this. A year at the top. You got it made. It's a sure thing that you're going to make it. Don't be afraid when the chance comes along, you must take it.